strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Chris Merrill in for Mike Broomhead, KTAR. Pleasure to be with you here on the uh, final Mike Broomhead Show of 2022. Mike will be back on Monday. Monday, Monday. If you... I always thought this was strange. If you are a developer and you have an opportunity to, to build a retirement community somewhere in the valley, where are you putting that? You're going to put that uh, someplace that's uh, got a little bit of space, maybe some walkability. Uh, maybe it's got nice, maybe you're going to put it in a little, little fake lake. Uh, so uh, do your residents have some place to, to meander around or to sit and feed ducks? I don't know. This seems like a nice place to do it. Would you take and build your retirement community in the entertainment district of a college town? I mean, you could. It's not a terrible idea. Maybe you're trying to find residents who want to be youthful by surrounding themselves by youthful activities and people. I would understand that. I get it. But let's also remember... As we get older, there are certain things we tolerate less and less. Uh, nighttime is one of those I'm finding. As, uh, the older I'm getting, the more I look at the clock and realize why my grandparents were in bed shortly after Jeopardy. Just, uh, you know what, do I need to stay up any later? I don't think I do. I'm just going to go to bed. And then I realize that with the, with the older folks, as I'm getting older, I'm realizing this. It's not so much that they wanted to get up in the morning at 4 o'clock or, or 4.30, for whatever reason. My grandparents always did that. It's just that they don't feel like staying up any later, and so they go to bed, and suddenly, eight hours later, and it's, it's 5 a.m. Yeah. I find myself at that point where I almost have to make myself stay up until 10, 10.30, even 11. Oh, if I'm getting crazy, 11 o'clock. I mean, it's a Friday night. I might stay up until 11, just to try to prepare myself to stay up until midnight tomorrow just you have to plan ahead when you're young you don't plan ahead when you're young you go i can just fall asleep at 10 o'clock if i have to but if i have to stay up till one o'clock tomorrow night i can do that too when you get older you just can't you can't do that so much you just can't do that so mirabella at asu is a retirement community and it was built a few years back and um it was built just off of uh, mill ave right which is like the party district of the entire state. When you think of where do you go for late night entertainment, bars, clubs, things like that in Arizona, you go, well, Mill. That's, that's what you do. Maybe there's an area in, in, uh, in Tucson as well. I don't know. I avoid. But uh, you just Mill. Well, here's the problem, though. When you put a retirement community in near a party area, uh, suddenly some of the people who are not very tolerant of late nights, like I would be because I'm getting older, uh, they don't have a lot of patience for the youths that are out there. So Mirabella says, there's just too much noise. Oh, it's so, like kids these days are so loud what with their loud music and whatnot. So they sued. And uh, the... Uh, the city said, okay, uh, it's cool. Let's figure out a way to contain the noise. Let's put in place some, some, uh, some restrictions here. So the Maricopa County Superior Court judge ruled in favor of Mirabella and ordered that Shady Park lower their noise levels. Live musical performances had to be restricted to between 7 and 11 p.m. six days a week. 
and they were allowed to go from 2 until 7 p.m. on Sundays, so as not to offend the church crowds. The venue's owner said that the new rules prevented them from putting on any live music performances. Yeah, because college students just get out at 10 p.m. They just start heading to the bars at 10 p.m. So, Shady Park, which is the name of the, the entertainment venue, they said, uh, we don't think this is right. And they filed an appeal. That appeal was upheld. A new chapter in a neighborhood showdown in Tempe. Shady Park winning the latest round in an ongoing legal dispute with Mirabella at ASU. A judge lifting an injunction against the music venue put in place after the senior living community across the street filed a lawsuit. Frank Wirtz is one of many who live at Mirabella. They played music so loud where we live right here. And they kept us away. The <laughs> yeah. No, I I understand how frustrating it can be, but you also bought a place next to Mill Avenue. Senior living high rise opened while Shady Park was dealing with COVID restrictions. But when the concerts picked back up, Mirabella residents made complaints about all the noise. We would like to sue COVID for leaving. COVID was so wonderful, it just kept all the riffraff away. But now they're back. And we blame COVID. Shady Park was then hit with an injunction, cracking down on decibel levels and limiting the times of concerts. But Thursday, those restrictions were lifted. Well, this is undeniably a huge win for Shady Park and the city of Tempe. People in Tempe had spoken against the injunction and protested in April. Members of the Tempe City Council voted to publicly support the music venue's appeal. I have no doubt the city will continue to stand with Shady Park because we had issues with the ruling itself as far as the the powers that it took away from the city to govern our own downtown. Yeah, you love that. So the city is siding with the venue, not because they think that the, the, the retirement community is being ridiculous, but because they lose power. <laughs> like, we lost control. We want the control. I mean, there's kind of a point to it, but when you hear a government official saying, it's not fair, we don't get to make rules, eh, you kind of go, eh, you roll your eyes a bit. Andy Walker, a proud ASU Sun Devil, is glad the injunction is lifted. I went there, my daughter went there. Wonderful school, but wouldn't want to live here on Mill Avenue. Of course it's loud. At the end of the yeah. day, Frank Wirtz and Councilman Randy Keating are hopeful, and they want both sides from Mirabella at ASU and Shady Park to come together. The fact of the matter is, whether you're Shady Park or your residence in Mirabella, you have a right to live and work in downtown Tempe and do so peacefully. I think they should have waited and had a hearing and had both sides talk about it instead of just making an arbitrary decision. Yeah, an arbitrary decision. I'll tell you what, let's have that hearing starting at 11 p.m. How's that sound, huh? Legal battle still far from over. The case now goes back to Superior Court. Mirabella says they're still seeking a permanent injunction. In Tempe, Vincent Bland and ABC 15, Arizona. Hey, well done. So, <laughs> so I, I, I found the, some of the reviews. Uh, this is from the Google reviews of, of uh, Mirabella at ASU. Uh, Benjamin Sanders says, best place to retire here in the Valley. The staff is super friendly. I'm so glad ASU helped fund this retirement home or else I wouldn't have been able to retire in my home state. The building facility is beautiful, too. That sounds great, right? That's a nice review. 
Yeah, somebody that's living there and they're enjoying the proximity and everything else. That's great. Gary Forster says, unlike any of the one-star reviews you may read, we actually live here with 246 other very happy residents and this gorgeous lifelong learning opportunity on the ASU campus. Wonderful staff, including many ASU students, terrific food, great views. So it sounds like you've got a year-round resident that says, this is wonderful. Which is why I say, if you're building a retirement community, maybe it's not so bad to be there near Mill Avenue. You just, people moving in have to know you're in the entertainment district, right? You're, this is it. But uh, then I see Joseph, Joseph T. posting one star. Uh, nobody wanted this here five years ago, and nobody wanted it here today. It's common sense for real estate developers to build projects that work within the community. You wouldn't and can't build a slaughterhouse in a residential neighborhood. You wouldn't put up an apartment complex surrounded by farmland. And the most obvious of them all, you wouldn't put, he changes this to capital letters now, a retirement home in the middle of ASU's bar scene. <laughs> Uh, when most businesses blunder this hard, you would expect them to pivot, sell their assets, or close their doors in dignity. Instead, Mirabella decided to poison the earth around them, shutting down Shady Park's live music and a move that may cause the place to shut down. Shady Park is a fantastic bar and venue. It's been here for far longer and has been a far more popular Tempe locals than Mirabella ever was. They have nothing short of an exemplary business and a beloved spot to meet. Other brief uh, quotes from reviews, again from Google on uh, Mirabella. Uh, the staff is super friendly, says one person. Another one says, the people are friendly and the food was outstanding. Another one says, congrats on picking the worst location for a senior living home. It feels like when people are moving into Mirabella, they need to be reminded that you are in the bar bar district. There's going to be noise. And if you're an older person that wants to maintain your youth and you want to go out and you want to meet people and you want to have a great social life with some younger individuals, this is the place for you. But if you want a nice, quiet place to go to bed early and get up early, this is not for you. All right. Maybe the most important question of 2023 is how often you get in the shower. We'll tell you why this has become controversial next. Chris Marilyn from Mike Broomhead on KTAR. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right, talking about the very important stuff here to wrap up the uh, the year. It's Chris Merrill in for Mike Broomhead on KTAR. Uh, a video that went viral, and it happened to hit the, some of the more widely distributed media in the last day or so. There was a TikTok video that came out from a woman who was a healthcare worker. That uh, says she just doesn't shower as often as what I guess I thought most people did. She says, why would I shower so much? I really don't need to. And frankly, I'm kind of grossed out. Here is her uh, her TikTok video where I will tell you this. The the voice has been she put it through some sort of a voice modification filter thing like they do on the different uh, socials. So. It, it sounds like somebody's doing a funny voice. This is just it's just a filter. <clears throat> okay, she is a uh, and otherwise I watched the video. She's very normal looking, lovely young woman. Uh, she doesn't look uh, filthy or anything of that nature. But she says she just doesn't need to shower so much. So I've recently found out that I'm in fact a gross human being, and this is because most girls when they say that they wash their hair twice a week 
They literally mean like wash their hair and they shower every day. I yeah. only shower like once or twice a week. I've gone like yeah. five days without showering this yeah. week. Because if I'm getting in the shower, I'm going to wash my hair. Uh -huh. Why would I get in the shower and not wash my hair? Because you have stinkies? But I don't want to wash my hair every day. So I've had to start saying that I wash my hair twice a week. Yeah. I only shower twice a week. Okay. Uh, which brings us to a very important question. What is the appropriate amount of time, or how often, I guess I, I should say, should you be showering? So let's do a quick survey here. Let's go with the producer, Julia. How often should a person shower? A grown-ass adult. Julia, how often should an adult shower? Oh, every day. Sorry, there we go. Every day. Okay, there we go. Brandon, how often should an adult shower? I feel like this is a, a pretty simple question here. Brandon. Sorry, at least yeah. every other day. Every other day, says Brandon. Okay, all right, all right. I feel like, uh, now maybe it's because I'm a, a heavy guy and I have, you know, like uh, fat fold sweat and things like that. But I, I, I tend to be on uh, Team Julia here. You got to shower every day. Because after one day, I start to smell myself. And I always feel like if I can smell myself, others have picked up on that way before I did. So, uh, yeah, every day. And it, it is a little bit difficult, too. Uh, Julia, help me out. Uh, as a dude, I wash my hair every time I get in the shower, which is what this, this, this woman is saying, is that why would I take a shower without washing my hair? I always feel like I need to, I need to wash my hair uh, if I'm in the shower. But I think dudes are a little different than women. Is it? Is it appropriate to, to not wash your hair every day if you're a woman? Yes, because there are different... It all depends on the type of hair that you have and the oils that you have on your hair. Oh, okay. So, like, if you have really thick, curly hair, you shouldn't be washing your hair every day because it'll actually ruin your natural curls. Really? Yes, but okay. if you have, like, thinner, finer hair, then it's more appropriate to wash your hair every other day because you don't want to strip your scalp of the natural oils that you do actually need for your hair to grow. All right, this is interesting. So, maybe I well, uh, maybe I need some natural oils in order to maintain the three or four strands of hair that I have left. I think that may be something I'll, I'll take you up on. Um, what I thought was interesting is how many people were replying to the, the comment section on this TikTok of the healthcare worker. Again, healthcare worker. Um, a number of people saying that they're on team two showers a week. Another comment said, I can't go 24 hours without showering. I refuse to believe this is real. Some were berating her uh, because in other videos that she's posted on TikTok, she says that she goes to the gym and, again, works in health care. That seems a little bit uh, suspect to me. A little bit sketch that you kind of expect that your nurse is going to make sure that they are at least rinsing their skin oils off every day before they're trying to help change Granny's bedpan. Indeed. In just a few moments, uh, we're going to talk with the director of the American PTSD Association, which is here in, uh, in Phoenix, and he's a mental health champion. As so many people have been stressed during this holiday season, and so many people are trying to figure out what can they do to make 2023 a little easier on their mental health. That is next. It's Chris Merrill in for Mike Brumet on KTAR.
strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. I am honored to be joined by uh, Ron Blake. It's Chris Merrill in for Mike Broomhead on KTAR. And Ron is uh, someone I've talked to the last couple of years around the holidays. Uh, he's the director of the American PTSD Association, a mental health champion here in the Valley. And Ron, thanks for being on the show again. I, 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 I'm so glad that you were able to avail yourself here uh, as we wind down 2022 and we go into 2023 and continue to share your story around the Valley and, and elsewhere. Uh, it's good to have you on the show. Thanks, Ron. I appreciate you being here. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, it's great to be here. Uh, The last full weekday of the year. So thank you for letting me share with everybody. Yeah, you bet. It's a big deal. I know uh, that the holiday season is a very tough time for people. And uh, for a mental health champion, uh, you know, you're you're trying to advise people. Uh, People are trying to put on a happy face. I know they're spending time with family, which is very stressful. Um, Trying to look at the good in things. But sometimes it feels like uh, the holidays just bog some people down. I totally get this. I think this is one of the most stressful times of, of the year for me. Uh, and if I had other things compounding, you know, the weight on my shoulders and suddenly I hit the, the holiday season, but I think it would be really easy for me to find myself in a position where I'm just questioning a lot of things in my own, my own self-worth. And do you, do you see that there's kind of a, an influx of people with some struggles around the holidays? There are. I mean, I think it's just because there's so much pressure to have the perfect holiday, um, the perfect family. The You have to present so perfectly to the world. Um, but <laughs> we're all flawed. We're all deeply flawed. Um, and so I think that that expectation, you turn on the holiday music and it just sounds so beautiful and wonderful. And it is. But our lives aren't that perfect. And so. I think we have to embrace the imperfections in our life. And and I wrote one of my stories. It it was called, you know, it it was about the whole premise that I'm imperfect, but I'm perfectly imperfect. So I think if we start realizing that, um, that's going to help. I mean, it's not the answer to everything, but um, just know we're not the perfect Norman Rockwell family. I, this is that's something I've said uh, to family members in the past as well. It's like Norman Rockwell doesn't live here, so we can just relax, everybody. Um, why do you think it is, Ron, if we can just turn into amateur sociologists here for a moment? Why do you think it is that we put that pressure on ourselves? Do we feel like we're trying to live up to the neighbor's uh, uh, perception of us? I mean, what is it that are we trying to keep up with somebody else? Uh, or, or do we feel like we're letting ourselves down if we don't have that perfect holiday um, you know, season, that perfect holiday festivity, all that kind of stuff as we as we wrap up one year and then look forward to the next one? Well, and I, I think just from my vantage point, when I look at it, um, yeah, I mean, we are trying to keep up with what what the world expects of us. And, and I've told a lot of people when I've spoken at, at some um, events before, I said, the happiest I am, Chris, mm-hmm. is when I don't think about what the rest of the world thinks about me. And I truly now that's not easy because, you know, you have these family expectations. You if you went to university somewhere that your university is like, come on, you know, we want to have you represent us well. But when you let go of all that, what your spouse thinks, what your family thinks, what maybe the university, your neighbors think you're going to be pretty happy. And that's where I've learned that I've been the happiest in my life. Um, I may do things that not everybody approves of. But it's not their life. It's my life. And so when we start understanding that and letting go, it's it's incredible. But, yes, I, we do put that pressure. And I think it's just it's it's something that society, it's the societal pressure. And 
again, it sounds really easy to let go, but that's what's made me the happiest in my life. And, and a lot of times I, I try to come from my vantage point to share with people to say, hey, I know this works because I've tried it. Um, and Chris, there's, there's one thing too I want to say is that a lot of people say, well, you know, I'm not the... I'm not in the American PTSD Association, or I don't have a degree in, in mental health counseling. You don't need that. All of us are experts in mental health because we have a heart. We have a heart. And I want to stress that because people forget that you can impact everybody around you with your intentions and, and the heart that you have and the love that you have. And, you know, this isn't some kumbaya moment, but we forget that we can actually impact everybody around us. And um, we are all experts in that capacity. Ron Blake is with me. He's the director of the American PTSD Association. He's also a mental health champion. And, it, you know, you mentioned having a degree in, in uh, the, the counseling and things like that. Do you ever find yourself conflicted? I always think about this um when we're talking about psychologists, sometimes I wish that I were a psychologist because then I would know how to control my emotions. Uh, was, uh, if, if I were a psychologist, then I would know if I were getting into an argument with my wife, I would be more perceptive as to why she's upset with me or what is the root cause of, of her ire at that moment. Uh, if only I had a better education, I would be able to, to better communicate how I really feel and make somebody else understand without it uh, turning into an argument. Do you find yourself, someone who has a, a plethora of education, do you ever find yourself sort of, you know, not abiding by your own advice? Well, and, well, I, I didn't want to say that I have um, a mental health care counseling degree. I have degrees in other things, but I mean, okay. the people that work with me and help me, uh, they have those degrees. But what I've learned is... Um, we, we think sometimes we don't know what to say. We have to listen to, I don't even know who the people are on TV anymore, if it's still Dr. Phil or whoever it is. Yeah, we, we think we, have to, we, we feel like we have to turn to them for the answers, and we have the answers. I mean, honestly, that's what I tell people is you know what to say already because if your intent is good, and the vast majority of people out there have great intentions, don't worry about the politically correct, what's going to come out of your mouth. People like me, when I was struggling in my suicidal moments, when I was going to take my life that one night, seven years ago, you know, I could have used somebody to come up to me that night and just said anything. As long as they cared. And it, you don't need Dr. Phil with you on a suicidal night. You need your friends there. You need your family members there. And so if you've got that, it doesn't matter. You, you may say all the wrong things, but you were there for that person. So, you know, I, I would tell all your listeners... You have the answers. Just It's like that John Mayer song, Say. Say what you need to say, because it's better to say something than nothing at all. And you can save a life by just being there for somebody, picking up the phone and calling them. Um, don't worry that you're not a counselor. In many cases, your friends are going to appreciate that you're not talking to them like a counselor. You're talking to them because you're their friend. And that means the world to people. Ron, how do we get to be better friends to ourselves? As you mentioned, when you're in that darkest moment, when you're, you know, when you're staring at the bottom of the bottle and you're, you're trying to determine what the next few moments of your life may be or whether there'll be a few moments even after that. And maybe there isn't anybody else around there to tell you that they care. How do you be a better friend to yourself? That seems like a huge, huge challenge as people are struggling, whether it's through the holidays or to start a new year. We're going to get into the, you know, the winter doldrums here in a little bit. Uh, how in the world, what are, I mean, are there techniques that we can use to say, to validate ourselves in that moment of crisis? 
Well, and I like to flip it too, because I feel like sometimes the the onus, the the pressure gets put on us when we're struggling really badly. I, yeah. I I like to try and put not the pressure on other people, but what I try to do is tell everybody else that's around us to say, hey. You can help us get out of those moments. Pick up the phone, call us, text us, you know, be there when you say you're going to be there. Today, for example, I was at um, my physical therapy and there was a woman and she was talking to somebody else, one of the staff members and said, oh, I didn't realize she was in the hospital and she's talking about somebody. And she said, I'm going to have to go visit her. Now, Chris, (laughs) odds are she's not going to go visit her. But she said that. And the thing is, you know, you have to be that friend and you have to go out there. You have to do that. You can't wait until the end. And so, you know, I know you asked me, like, how do we be a better friend to ourselves? But again, I put that, if you will, that pressure on everybody else around us to say, you can help us when we're struggling and you know we're struggling do something i mean even i i I text jokes to my friends and my family members often i mean just something like that if that comes through it knocks you out of that bad moment that you're having and it it makes you laugh for a minute and for me on november 2nd of 2015 it was a moment of laughter a simple joke on a television that stopped me from killing myself Wow. So just the, it's the smallest things that the people around us can help us pull us out of that abyss. Well, I'm glad whatever the show was that you had on uh, told the joke at the right time, uh, Ron, because I, I can't even imagine how many people you have helped and saved uh, since that moment. And it's why I keep inviting you back every time I, I, I do the, the, the holiday shows, because I know how stressful it is. And I love talking to you. You're a great interview, too. So uh, we've got that going for us. Uh, let's turn people to the uh, American PTSD Association. Uh, you are a director there. It's the APTSDA.org, APTSDA.org. Uh, New Year's resolution, Ron, what it may, the New Year's resolution is just do more communication, do more of that, uh, texting, reaching out to people that maybe you haven't talked to in a while. I'll tell you, that is one area I am terrible at. So maybe New Year's resolution for me is to do that better and be a better friend. Yeah. And I agree. And I don't worry about if you get everything, all the words jumbled and you, <laughs> you yeah. say all the wrong things. It's better to say, I, I ask everybody to turn on that John Mayer song, Say, S-A-Y. It's an amazing video, amazing song. And it just, that's what we really need to do. Don't wait till it's too long. Say what you need to say. And you're right, Chris, communication. If everybody can make a New Year's resolution, communicate with people. That's what's going to help people with their mental health care struggles immensely. All right. What a great way to start 2023. Ron Blake, director of the American PTSD Association, mental health champion, and uh, just a just a good dude. Uh, I just love talking to you. Ron, a pleasure having you on once again this year, and I look forward to the next time that we get a chance to talk. Thanks, pal. Thanks, Chris. Happy New Year. And to you, too. To you, too. Uh, if you, Hopefully you hear advice, and that is a, a great New Year's resolution for you. Maybe another suggestion next. Chris Merrill in for Mike Broomhead on KTAR. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Chris Merrill in for Broomhead today, KTAR. Pleasure being with you once again. Thank you very much for letting me uh, be a part of the final 
full weekday of the uh, year 2022. Uh, we're talking about New Year's resolutions. Maybe one of those New Year's resolutions is to communicate better with friends. Stay in contact with people a little bit better. Another New Year's resolution a lot of people come up with is that they're going to start, they're going to stop drinking. Uh, it's become so popular that there's even what they call a dry January. Dry January. Some say maybe a dry January can lead to uh, mindful drinking for the rest of the year. Oh. So that you're, uh, I guess, uh, more uh, present when it comes to making the decision as to whether or not you're going to drink. There's a study done when it comes to dry January. And people that participate in a dry January and other sobriety challenges, they say, frequently experience lasting benefits. Often, they drink less in the long run and make other sustained changes to their drinking habits that lead to striking improvements in their health and well-being. So if you're somebody that kicks back, and I have to tell you, my... uh, uh, cardiologist this year told me, uh, he says, uh, do you drink? And I go, yeah, I have a nightcap every evening. He says, oh, yeah, you, you do? I go, yeah. He says, uh, just whiskey or something? I go, yeah, just whiskey. I have a, just a little nightcap whiskey every, every evening. He goes, uh, can you not? <laughs> I go, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I can. I, I can not. And he says, yeah, I do that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love my cardiologist. He's, he's, he's very matter-of-fact in that regard. Dry January seems to have a lasting effect, they say, um, because it is, it's long enough if you say, well, you know what? I'm just not going to drink for the month of July. So you give yourself permission to start drinking again in February, and maybe you've been kicking back a few, especially with if you've been dealing with family or flight delays or whatever else it is. But if you give yourself that window... Uh, the month of January, and not have a drink, you're actually able to form new habits, like turning down alcohol in social settings, which for me is always a tough one, too. I'm going out with friends, and they're having some beers. Yeah, I'll have a beer. But if you can just say no, all of a sudden, it's like you figure it out. Like your brain says, oh, this is okay to say no. They say in the long run, that's very empowering. Taking a break from alcohol can trigger immediate health benefits like weight loss, better sleep, boost your mood and your energy levels. And, of course, that helps to reinforce the new habit as well. Uh, it may motivate you to continue drinking less in the long run. So a psychologist at, uh, out of England right, studies what happens to people who participate in dry January. And he says it becomes a reinforcing message instead of a punishing message. Instead of public health people uh, wagging their fingers and saying, don't drink, it's bad for you. Uh, people do this dry January and they say, I didn't realize how good I would feel. So this is positive reinforcement, right? They don't realize how much stopping drinking will improve their sleep, their concentration, or even just their levels of energy in the morning. And I will tell you this, that since the cardiologist said, uh, yeah, don't do that, uh, I was relying on just a, just a, I would just have a little jigger. It was called that a jigger. It was about, what, two shots, I guess, on ice every night. Just a rocks glass on ice uh, of whiskey every night. I thought, well, I need this to kind of relax and go to sleep. When I stopped doing that, because the cardiologist said, don't do that anymore, um, it took me a few days. And I thought, I'm never going to fall asleep, right? It took me a few days. But then I did notice I was sleeping through the night better. And I was... Um, I wasn't sore when I woke up, which was weird. It was like my body was doing a better job of relaxing. And I don't, listen, if you're like me, you have a few, you tip a few back, and when you fall asleep, you fall asleep hard. And there's no sleep better than the first three or four hours when you've had, when you've had a little bit to drink, right? 
But after that, it is the most miserable sleep when you just lie in bed wondering if you're going to be able to finish the night with your eyes closed. It's pretty miserable. So breaking the cycle, as they recommend, uh, I didn't mean to do it as a a dry January challenge. I did it because the cardiologist told me back in November, stop doing that. Uh, And I did. I'd have to agree with everything that this uh, study shows. So dry January, everybody. New Year's resolution. Who is Andrew Tate? If you're unfamiliar, you're going to want to hear this story. It is next. Chris Maryland from Mike Broomhead on KTAR.